the cabin pressure shifted. Did you feel it? I don't know if you could uh, sense it, but your face, each one of your faces said it was true. Something when these families, and Linda, when, when you all gathered right here, you all pulled out your cell phones on this side because you thought and you knew something is about to happen that we don't want to miss. Like something is going to get so utterly holy that we want a record of it. That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the thin places in our lives, those places where uh, what feels ordinary has become absolutely holy. Uh, Those moments and those places in our lives where the cabin pressure shifts. There's um, an invitation for us to live as though that is true all the time, not just some of the time. This morning, uh, we're going to read one verse from... uh, Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and it's an important verse, even though it's brief. It's a verse that reveals to us something um, that we know to be true, but we don't always believe it. Listen to what the Apostle Paul has to say to all of us this day. Do you not know? Do you not know? that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Hover here. Hover here, O God, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. Reach across the ages and breathe new life into these ancient words that they would be your word to us here and your word to us right now. And breathe new life, O oh God, into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all would be acceptable and pleasing to you, O oh God. For you are our rock and you are our redeemer. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Many years ago, when I lived in Atlanta, I was late uh, for a meeting. I was 10 minutes late for this lunch meeting, and I was really anxious about it, and so I was speeding on the way to the restaurant, and I had made the decision before I arrived that I was going to break my own rule. I was going to valet park my car to save time. So I pulled right up to the valet uh, stand, and I jumped right out of the car, And I was saying hello to the valet when I looked up and realized that I had failed to put my car in park. It was only after I looked up and saw my car driving away from me that I realized what I had done. So I sprinted after the car, I jumped in the front seat, I slammed on the brake, and I threw it into park before it hit anyone or anything. And I said to the valet, I left the keys in it. (laughs) The valet said I wasn't the only one who had ever done that, you know? I think he was trying to make me feel better. If you know that feeling, 
If you know what it's like to rush from one thing to the next, if you know what it's like to feel like you're always late for something or someone, this rush-filled existence, you know what it's like to also pause and ask yourself, what am I doing? Ironically, uh, one of the things I learned this summer on sabbatical when I walked part of the Camino de Santiago was every car that passed me as I walked those 160 miles, every car felt like they were going 150 miles an hour. When you walk, your pace changes a bit. When you walk for that many days, you come to see life and things in a new way. You observe what you literally have sped by for years. You come to discover the sacred in the midst of the ordinary that has been with you the entire time. The New Testament, uh, they use a Greek word when talking about this time. Uh, that Greek word is kairos. Can you say that? Kairos. Thanks for indulging me. Uh, kairos is the Greek word um, when the author is speaking about a deeper sense of time. Like kairos uh, refers to an opportune moment. A moment or a season, uh, like it's harvest time. Kairos shows up a 86 times uh, in the New Testament. Whereas um, when the author in the New Testament wants to speak of uh, time as being efficient, measured, they use the word chronos. Chronos shows up 54 times in the New Testament, and it refers to a specific amount of time, such as a day or an hour. It's um, where we get the English word chronology or chronicle. It's a measured quantitative time. Our lives run on chronos time. It's what leads us to speed up to the valet and jump out of our cars without assessing whether or not we had put it in park. You talk to anyone who uh, makes a living by billing by the hour. These are people who run on chronos time. Every minute is to be accounted for. But you don't have to run your life on billable hours. I mean, you could just go to the doctor. And you can wonder, how much longer before the doctor actually comes into the room? You could run your life on chronos time by just taking your car uh, to get the battery changed. How much longer is it going to take them from, to swip, switch the old battery with the new one? Because I got places to go. I have other appointments to run. If we run our lives only on chronos time, it's the only type of time we could ever know existed. And if you run your life only on chronos time, it will bleed over into your faith life, and your faith life, you will be led to believe, should also run on chronos time. I will read 
10 verses every day. I will pray for 10 minutes every day. I will go to church every other week. And Kronos time will lead you to believe that the temple is a place that you go to rather than a place that you live from. Kronos time will lead us to believe that the temple is a place that we go to rather than a place that we actually live from. Uh, We Presbyterians, we are known to be a frozen and chosen people, you know. And we come by it honestly because we do. We love Kronos time. We are a people who do things decently and in order. We run our lives on Kronos time. And yet, almost every frozen, chosen Presbyterian I've ever met, almost every one of them, they've always sensed that there was something deeper. Like, there was a pull beyond all that our Kronos lives could measure or contain. I mean, they talk about it as if it's like a a stirring This hunger, this drive, there's something else beyond all the efficiency. I think it's that sense that has um, driven flocks and flocks of Presbyterians to the island of Iona, that small little rock just off of the coast of Scotland for generations. I think it's that sense that has led Presbyterians to search of a spirituality and a wisdom that is found in Celtic spirituality. We flock to Iona because, frankly, Iona runs on Kairos time. You can't not go to Iona and run on any other time. Less than 150 people lived there. Until 1976, they didn't allow automobiles. There's only so much that you can do on that tiny speck of rock. Um, It's why Iona is known as being um, an edge place, a place that is set apart, distant from the lands that we normally occupy and inhabit. Iona is also known as a thin place, you know, where the sacred and the ordinary, um, they're indistinguishable. On Iona, one can't help but fall into Kairos time, into a different rhythm, you know, like walking. And when you fall into the depth of Kairos time in that thin place, you notice that days are longer. The rhythm of creation reflects what you know to be true about God And you see everything in a new way. And once you see, you can't not see. Iona runs on Kairos time. It's a thin place where one comes to discover the newfound depth and expression of God. 
I believe that people discover that different rhythm on Iona because uh, when St. Columba landed there in the year 563, uh, he was an exiled person from Ireland. He and 12 monks journeyed and they uh, landed on the shores of Iona and um, they came to create a community and a strand of Christianity that some scholars call Celtic Christianity. Though I don't think St. Columba would have described it that way. St. Columba would have said, we are modeling our lives in an existence that believes that Christ is in all places, in all times, and in and through all people. St. Columba and the Christians on Iona knew that the temple was not a place that you went to. It was a place that you lived from. Therefore, living was a way of following Christ by caring for one another and the earth as an expression of faith. Living as an expression of faith was trusting that uh, God was in the face of every person that you met, and therefore you greeted them, assuming that you were going to greet Christ face to face. On Iona, they came to understand and to live this out. And I believe they did so because they knew what Jesus said when he said, I am the new temple, and you, your bodies are the places where the Spirit resides, where the Spirit dwells. I think St. Columba and those Celtic Christians, they knew that the new temple was not going to be a physical building. It wasn't going to be a building where we picked up the rocks and we reshaped them and we build a, a physical place, but they knew that the temple was us. That Christ was dwelling in us and through us. We were Christ's hands and feet in the world. It was a revolutionary thing for the Apostle Paul to even write those words. If this morning you feel some resistance to me saying, but you are the temple in which Christ dwells, and you think, I don't know. Like if Christ could look from inside of here, I don't think Christ would see a temple. I want you to sit with that feeling. Because I want you to remember when uh, Paul wrote these words in the first century, he was saying them about a people whose society had deemed to be less than humans. There's no longer slave nor free. Jew nor Greek, male or female, for all are one. Paul is writing and claiming and returning people to their own dignity. And my dear friends, if that is true, if that is true, for Paul to see the Christ in and through all people, then is it not to be true for you? Is it not to be true for us all? That sense and that good news 
is to be found in the depths of kairos time. You're not going to get there from speeding from one place to the other. It's in kairos time that you stumble in by the grace of God, the expansiveness of this good news. It's in kairos time that the Spirit of God is waiting for you to discover that the Spirit has been in you, waiting for you the whole time. Our young people here at Preston Hollow, they go on pilgrimage to Iona. And uh, we set it up in a way that every high schooler has the opportunity to go to Iona once in their four-year four years of high school. And if you were um, to pull any of our uh, young people who have done that trip, and you were to ask them uh, after they graduated high school, and you said, um, real quick, what are uh, like the top three experiences you had at Preston Hollow? I promise you, within those top three, our young people would say, oh, by far, Iona. And if you hung out with them long enough and you said, why? This generation of young people who are now known as the most exhausted generation in history, these young people would say something like this, and I know it to be true because I've asked them. They would say, because on Iona, it was incredible. I lived without my phone for like three whole days. I think we, uh, like we chuckle at that because we can't imagine doing that, you know? They would say something like this. I don't know, things there were just different. Like we would walk on the beach, but um, it wasn't like a normal walk. Or like we would sit around and we would talk about scripture, but I felt like I was connected in a way. And every meal that we had, I don't know, but it wasn't the best food I had ever had. But man, did we laugh and did we cry? And I don't know, I've been to a lot of worship services, but there's something about that Abbey when they invited us to participate in the liturgy. I don't know what it was. But it just, it was different. And if you said, what was it? They would do what we do. They would say, I don't know, I can't talk about it. It was just something that was beyond words. They had they settled into Kairos time, coming to discover the holiness that was their very lives. They were in a thin place only to discover that the thin place was not Iona. But was themselves. And I've imagined this week, if the Apostle Paul could hear our young people reflect that, what would the Apostle Paul say? And frankly, I think the Apostle Paul would finally run out of something to say. <laughs> I think the Apostle Paul would just do this. <laughs> As if to say, yes, Two-thirds of the New Testament, yes, that. You awakened to the Spirit 
that was dwelling within you. Your temple. Your life is a thin place. So then, and we'll close with this. So then, as one scholar puts it, what is significant about sacred spaces turns out not to be the places themselves. Their power lies within their role in marshalling our inner resources and binding us to our beliefs. Thin places awaken us to the thin place that is your life. They awaken you to the spirit that resides in your temple. It's the gift of spiritual practices, my friends, like silence and prayer and contemplation, for the practices invite you into kairos time so that you might sink into the depth of the thin place, so that you might come to discover the holiness that is your messy and ordinary and normal life. Many years ago, there were some anthropologists who were uh, in... They were in New Zealand, and they were observing some Aborigines uh, people, and they were observing them from a distance. And uh, they noticed that these Aboriginal people uh, would walk, and then all of a sudden, they'd just stop. And then they would, out of nowhere, just start walking again. And then for no reason, they would just stop. And then for... No reason they'd start and stop. After a couple of days, one of the anthropologists said, what in the world are they doing? And so they went and found a native, and they said, it looks like they're walking from one place to another. Why all this starting and stopping? I mean, if they really want to get there, shouldn't they just keep walking? One of the native people said, oh, they, they're stopping for a reason. The anthropologist said, why is that? They said, well, they stop to ensure that their souls catch up with them. Friends, may you sink into the Kairos time where you come to know that spirit and matter are one, the Christ, and the Christ who is waiting for you there. May it be so.